Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. From multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, how'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes, when you hit I, him. Yes, I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning, and then 45 minutes later, she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. Oh, here we are. Episode 25. That's like the quarter century mark of the Operator Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Robert J. O'Neill. I am no longer in Montana, but I was just in Montana. And actually, the reason I went there was to have my very first interview, episode number 24, with my brother Tom O'Neill, my older brother Tom. If you didn't catch it, check it out. It's pretty funny. I think it was a good back and forth. I always enjoy talking to my brother. He's the reason I can tell a, a good story or a good joke. He doesn't talk quite as fast as I do, but I think the banter was pretty good back and forth. I have listened to it again, and there are some pretty funny jokes in there uh, with some jokes and, uh, jokes and stories that I, I'm not sure were intended, but I, I caught them on the second end, so they're pretty good. It was good to be in Butte, Montana, my home. Uh, it was fun to fly out of my home, Butte, Montana, because... I don't fly out of Butte, Montana, because there is only one airline that flies in and out of Butte, and we will not mention them. But I drive to Bozeman, Montana, where I can fly United Airlines. Uh, American Airlines, another great airline, also flies out of there. But the direct flight, well, I was going to go to New York, so it flies to New Jersey. And if you can't fly to New Jersey, then fuck you. Uh, and no, no, New Jersey is great. New Jersey gets a bad rep, though, because, because um, their rap is bad because a lot of people that used to fly into New Jersey to go to New York... For whatever meetings, anything from, from Hollywood people coming out to get on TV or, or uh, go to the UN or whatever, they fly into Newark, New Jersey, which I, I'm sure the, the people of Newark are fine people, but it's not, you know, it's a, it's a Butte, Montana, of the East Coast. It's kind of an eyesore. You fly in there, um, a lot of, a lot of you know, refineries, a lot of gas, you know, stuff that does run the country and run your everyday life, but it's not fun to look at and you think it's killing the planet. Um, so you see that, but I, I, apparently up and down the eastern shore, not the eastern shore, that's Maryland, but, you know, connected, uh, the Jersey Shore are apparently, the word I get, are some of the nicest beaches um, around. Uh, I, I'm not going to check them out because it is February. Do you know what's January? It's going to be February. I'm not a big uh, East Coast beach guy in uh, in the wintertime because we did do a lot of that in the SEAL teams. I've been cold before. Um, I, I mean, it's fine. I can do it, but it's not one of my things. I, I don't go out just to be cold. I also don't go out just to be hot. That's uh, uh, another thing, too, with uh, all these um, farms, chicken farms and egg farms blowing up because 
Um, we need to get rid of the chickens because, I mean, eggs eggs are one of the best sources of protein that you can have. And I think everyone, since we can get an egg, even the Flintstones um, would eat eggs because they're great protein. Wonderful for breakfast. I mean, obviously everything goes with bacon. Like dessert goes with bacon. Uh, bacon-covered donuts. But when you think of eggs, you think of bacon and you think of breakfast. But, yeah, they're destroying the um, the eggs. They're, uh, apparently the word on the street is that the, the feed is bad that they're given to these farmers so the chickens aren't laying eggs. And chickens are, I mean, it used to be what came first, the chicken or the egg, but now apparently it's just the fucking chicken because a lot of them aren't laying eggs. And, you know, and again, conspiracy, whatever. But for some reason, they're getting rid of the eggs. And the egg prices are going up, if you notice that too. The egg egg prices are going up because um, what they're getting at is they want us to eat bugs. The reason I I got, you know, to this point was I said I I have been cold. I know how to be cold. Um, I've eaten bugs. It's out of necessity, either out of necessity or out of training, knowing what you can and can't survive on. And I'm a big believer too. Like you, anything's edible if you're brave enough. You know, it's like a dildo. You brave enough? <laughs> it can be. But um, um, the, the you know the the new world order, the Great Reset. They're trying to get us to eat bugs, and they're going to start putting bugs in grasshoppers. I mean, people even on TV right now are eating crickets, or celebrities are eating those bugs to prove. Look, look at me. Oh, I want more. Give me more. And like pretending on TV to fight over them because man, these bugs are edible. Yeah, so is my fucking hat. You can eat a plane if you have enough time. But they're proving this shit, and they want us to go to bugs. And I, the bullshit that they're giving us is that, uh, is that well, the animals' flatulence and what the fuck ever is killing the planet. And this is all nonsense, too, by the way. They are brainwashing a lot of younger people to think that farming is the leading cause of climate change. Fuck off. Look at um, look at whales. There's like three times as many sheep as there are people, and I'm pretty sure it's been like that for a while. And I'm pretty sure the people have made sheep a staple of their diet and a lot of stuff that they make um uh, you know the clothes they wear sheep are fine sheep fart guess what so do we so do deer that you know things have been farting for a long long time a single volcano i think farts more than every animal in the world and i I, again i'm off on a tangent right now i haven't compared farts to volcanoes but i'm pretty sure it's pretty big like when uh when whoever blew up uh gulf stream 2 or whatever Nord stream 2 the pipeline in russia that we definitely had if we didn't do it, we had something to do with it. The, all, everything coming out of there <clears throat> is worse than the methane that comes out of a cow's ass. But um, and, and it might just be because the people that are stronger than us or that think that have the power, I don't even know if it's to the point where they're just doing it to see how dumb will these fuckers do it. How, 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 what will they do that we tell them to do? Let's see if we can lock them in their houses for a year. <laughs> Let's see if we can have them put masks on their face and get banned from a certain airline that only flies into Butte, Montana, because he took one off because he wanted to eat some of his of his uh, nut. Not my nuts. I can't eat these nuts, but I mean, some nuts that they serve me, I could eat those nuts. I can't eat these nuts. Um, the point that I was getting at there, though, is um, all the stuff that's going on. Are they trying to blow up the eggs? Whatever. Um, they're trying to make us eat bugs. I I know how to eat bugs. I can eat bugs. I don't need to prove I need to eat bugs. And if they're saying that, well, we need to eat bugs to get rid of the cow. Here's how we get rid of the cows. Eat the fucking cow. We're going to eat the steak but because that will be next. If it is true that they're coming after the eggs and they're coming after the dairy and they're making all of us eat the bugs, they're coming after the beef next. And then they're coming after the pigs. And that means the bacon. And we must take a stand, man, somewhere. But um, anyway, flying back from Montana before I got into my bug. The, the bug eating thing, yes, we can survive on bugs. 
I didn't like eating. I, I know how to sleep outside. I'm not doing it again on purpose. If I am sleeping outside and eating bugs, it's because something went horribly wrong. And I assure you, before I start eating bugs again, it's because I ran out of people to eat. And uh, that's why we have shotguns. We're not getting onto that this episode. But the flight out from um, Bozeman, Montana. So I have to drive to Bozeman, Montana. There was a direct flight because, like I said, I needed to get to New Jersey for some reason. So I'm flying out to New Jersey. On the way over there, um, and I've mentioned that you saw me mention it possibly in a few tweets. If you don't follow at Makuya, M-C-H-O-O-Y-A-H, at Makuya, it's a lot of fun. Tongue-in-cheek. For God's sakes, never lose your sense of humor. Sometimes I'm just joking. You know, back yourself off the ledge, have a beetle. But um, on the ride over, I get to go through um, over the Homestake Pass, <laughs> home of the Homestake Lakers, which is not a real team, uh, into Bozeman, and then we get a fly out. What, what I enjoyed about that is walking through um, the Bozeman Airport, which is, a, which is a nice airport, the Gallatin Valley Airport. And it's been expanding since I was a kid. I actually got, um, I made a joke on, uh, on Instagram, which also Amazon Mike. H O O I H Mikuya. Um, I I made a joke that said this is the Bozeman International Airport. Uh, a little known fact: this is where Lewis and Clark landed when they flew in from the East Coast. I wasn't serious. They didn't fly in; they walked in, and they didn't land there because there were no airplanes. We'll get into the Wright brothers later. I believe that was North Carolina, not the beautiful Jersey Shore. But anyway, because of the um the show Yellowstone, I'm not sure if you've seen it. Excellent show. It's based in Yellowstone, Yellowstone Park, which is a big national park, mainly, get a load of this, mainly in Wyoming, but the gateways in, isn't through Montana, so Montana, first of all, I, you know, I understand why Montanans get a little bit pissed that Montana's getting so popular because of the show Yellowstone, you don't need shit from Wyoming, they're cool, they're just down there being square, right, um, but Montana gets all the credit, and, and uh, I can actually see why they're, they're getting a little bit pissy because um because people have become aware of montana there a lot of people are moving in there and a lot of people from california a lot of people from the east coast and that's great i mean i I come enjoy it i think it's awesome i uh i am from montana but getting on this flight it was a friday and i'm flying back to the east coast and all of these people who either bought property in montana or know someone who has property or just stayed at the Lewis and Clark Hotel in Bozeman and checked out. You know, let's let's go to Bozeman, Montana, so we can see a real Starbucks or whatever the shit they do. But uh, they're all getting back on the plane, and they're all dressed like they're from Montana, but they're all getting on a, a glorious flight back to Jersey. And uh, they're looking – people are dressed everything from uh, pretend snow buddy, bunnies to uh, pretend mountain climbers to, re- to pretend cowboys – um, the women with their big fancy boots and the and the no spurs. I don't think you're allowed to have those on a plane. But they're uh, they got the big fluffy what have yous and uh, guys with the hats. But it's just like it's just a little bit off. Like you can sort of tell you're not quite from here. It's like when I mentioned the Norwegians that came down to Virginia Beach and they're hanging out and they speak English, but it's like European English and you can it's just a little bit off. It's like when you see okay, it's like you ever you ever seen for the, like the veterans especially, have you ever seen stolen valor and you you just look at someone and uh eh, something's off. So the, it's like and what I would see is um is uh I would see the the people that would have the 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 mountaineering backpack I, and and look 
I've talked about flights before, and it's okay. And every if, it's fun to watch people. And if you just take a breath and realize we're all just trying to do the same thing, if you sit back and watch, it's kind of fun to see people do stuff. The the an annoying person that I've found is backpack guy. Okay, and he's the person. He, all, he, he either coincides, is traveling with, or is the doesn't look around when he turns his back backpack guy. Like, he, he doesn't realize that huge hump on his back. And when he turns, he smacks you with it, right? And I, I like to sit at the front of the plane. And he'll turn and smack and find whatever. And, but now these guys, they, they, ha, they, they went skiing, so there's no way they can check their luggage and put their stupid fucking ski helmet in their checked luggage. they got to strap it on there. Like they're going to the top of Denali along with their Nalgene bottle. And you can't put it in the thing. You got to carabiner it. And, and we used to call those like a gypsy pack. Like you just see shit jingling and, and like when someone, if they're skiing, they hit shit and stuff goes flying everywhere. They have a yard sale. That's the guy. So they're on there just bumping each other. And they're all just, oh, hey, how are you? You know, where are you? Whatever, going. And, and uh, they talk about, yeah, I just got a place up in Kalispell. I don't know why they're not flying out of Kalispell or whatever. And then you got their kids there. And their kids are, look, everyone's getting along. We're all getting along just fine. But, you know, speaking of like Yellowstone, they reminded me of, if you haven't seen 1883, it's outstanding. It's fucking outstanding. Um, and it, it, it's a prequel to Yellowstone. It's how the Dutton family got to, to Bozeman. They were planning on going to um, Oregon, I think, and they start in Texas, like in uh, Fort Worth. And then they're, they're like straight up wagon training. it. Like you get bit by a rattlesnake, you're dead. You get dysentery, you're dead. You drink the w- wrong water, you're dead. Um, too much time in the sun, you die. Too much time in the snow, you die. But there's there's this uh, group of cowboys, and it's an excellent, excellent show. I mean, I can't. The, the show is outstanding. I'm not by any means saying anything bad. I love it. I, I've actually watched that twice, the whole thing. Um, but there's these tough cowboys and a tough family, the Dutton family, and they're going to go up there. But one of the things they're doing, they get linked up with some tough um, former soldiers, and you got like former Confederate, for, former Union guys, and they're all going to work together. But they got this. <laughs> train of Europeans who um, they came from Europe to escape a horrible life but then they come here and now they want to go to Oregon for a new life but like they think it's like when I made the joke about uh, Lewis and Clark flying it's like I think these people think they were taking a train the whole way because they did to Texas now we're like we're, we're walking to Oregon from Texas and I don't know if you've been out west but we have out west what you call big states and that's when we're flying like, when I'm flying out of Dallas somewhere, you can look down in a few hours, you're still in Dallas, right? There are parts of Texas that are closer to San Diego than they are to Dallas, right? It's a big, big-ass state. Um, so they're going to walk, and there's a part of um, 1883 where they need to cross the Brazos, which is a river, right? And uh, they have these know-nothing, dumb-as-the-day-is-long, turds with ears that want to cross this river, and they're explaining to them, like, look— you need to get rid of this shit. Like you, we, you, you need to bring what you need to live. We'll make new shit. Like there were people ditching pianos out of the back of their wagons, and and on the and and it's like the the people who had been there that actually made the trek before. Like what are these idiots thinking? So that's what I'm thinking on this flight. Like how are you? You're Patagonia with the shit and the stuff, and you got a kid, and he's carabiner to your fucking thing, and the, and they're bashing each other. But the funny thing is, you know, everyone's in a good mood, and they're all like, uh, "You're right. Where are you from? Where you know, Kalispell? This? No, I got a place in Ennis." And I was thinking about, and so, and they're just talking and talking, and we're all hitting each other with. Our, I'm trying to sit there and enjoy my drink or whatever, and someone finally looks to me and goes, "So where are you from?" And I go, "New York." And so anyway, but we're getting on this thing, and um, before we even get on the plane. 
Because it's a, I don't know if you agree with me, but it's a silly ass world out there, and there's shit up is down, down is up. Like the other day, the new, um, the um, the Empire State Building in New York City, because uh, I was still in New York, the uh, the the Philadelphia Eagles won the NFC Championship, and the Empire State Building lit the top of it up in uh, in green and white for Eagles colors, and the official Twitter page of the Empire State Building in New York City said. Fly Eagles fly. Now, if you're not familiar with football, the Eagles hate the Giants, and the Giants are from New York. And so the New York Giants, they uh, they tweeted back. All they said was with a with a retweet. I'm just here for the comments. The point I'm making is up is down, down is up. The the weirdest the, you see the weirdest shit if you just look. Don't be surprised. But one of the things I want to bring up is service animals or um. Um, what do they call a mental mental awareness or healing animals? And people were really taking advantage of this shit, especially during COVID. Um, like there were people bringing um, like Shetland ponies and peacocks. Remember that shit? And then the service animals are fine too. And I think I mean service animals. If it's a service animal, is awesome. Like if uh, if uh, there's a veteran who has a service animal that's um that's protected by federal law. And they can fly in the main cabin as long as they're they're, they're typically obviously extremely well behaved. These are good dogs, and they sit at the uh, at the feet. Um, you know, a, a veteran with PTSD, or you know, to some extent, people that have PTSD that haven't been in combat because it gets taken advantage of, especially by veterans. I mean, I see I see some people, you know, with a with a big hot chocolate and a ho ho, and then a <laughs> you know what I'm saying. You've seen her. Um, with this, they, they don't necessarily need to have a service animal, but they do. But some of these, they're real dogs. They're all real dogs. It's not the dog's fault. Some people take advantage. Um, but like if you see a Melanois like we brought into combat or if you see uh, you know some of the dogs, and that's great. And if people need an emotional support dog, that's fine. Um, and even if you know, you bring your little dog, in the th- even if they're yappy, whatever. All right, <clears throat> cat lady, come on. I mean, I grew up with cats, but le- a cat... Just that's just come on. I'm not even allergic to him. My eyes are starting to water. Um, but uh, down is up, up is down. As long as you, it, it, we are in in the days of um, you can, you can identify as anything. I saw this dude up there. He's walking in front of me. Gets on the plane first because he's got a service animal. This damn um, this dog is a very well behaved, very well groomed boxer. Now I don't know if you've been to combat. We don't bring boxers. You know, Malinois, Dutch Shepherd, German Shepherd, maybe. Uh, a boxer, not really. I mean, we can't bring pit bulls anymore because, uh, I mean, there are rules in war. <laughs> you know, we're there to kill, but we're not there to rip a motherfucker's face off. But this dude's got a um, a boxer, and he's a good-looking dog. And let's, hey, good-looking man. This motherfucker's groomed, too, if you know what I'm saying. He looks good, smells good, but he's got this damn... Uh, he's got this damn vest on this dog, has a this uh, service vest... And if you look now, there are there are patches and there are flags now. Flags, not necessarily flags of countries, but it's very well placed. I'm kind of looking. I'm like, not not any, not anywhere on this dog does it say where he served or do not pet or this dog is working. This motherfucker's just he's he's kind of uh, you know he's dressed up for the show if you know what I'm saying. And um, one of the patches he has on it, it says hero dog. And so the guy's walking on. He kind of gets the he can get on there first. Never said he was a vet. Never said he was in combat. But he's got a hero dog, so they let him on. Whatever. I'm, I didn't talk to the guy. He seemed very nice. Everyone on the flight was nice. I'm just poking fun at people. The dog was beautiful, man. Boxers are beautiful dogs. And the dog behaved himself. Never saw him again. Heard from some of the kids that were dressed as cowboys and, uh, and uh, alpinists and um, 
coal miners or whatever the fuck they do up there. But yeah, so we flew to New York and it was awesome. But hero dog, that word hero gets thrown around a lot lately. Have you noticed that? A hero? Like um, during COVID, like walking past the post office, the big sign up front that says heroes work here. I'm like, really? Like Buzz Aldrin's in there fucking slinging mail? <laughs> what the fuck? What do you mean a hero works here? You mean someone on the that didn't didn't lose a paycheck during COVID, which at first was fine and it was great. And again, anyone who's working during COVID, we didn't know what the fuck was going on. Good on you. I used to tip the shit out of the uh, the grocery store lady. Anyone who was what they would call essential personnel, and for me that was like, hey, do it at the packy. Here's here's an extra forty. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the rock gut whiskey. But uh, yeah, Buzz Aldrin. You know, speaking of Buzz Aldrin being, being a um, being a hero, which obviously he is. He the other okay. I think I've mentioned him on the past two podcasts. I'm mentioning him one more time because I mentioned him um, two podcasts ago, and I suggested I might have said something like "God rest his soul," and I didn't. I didn't pay attention. He's he's alive, and he just got married for the fourth time. Dog, you hear that? Buzz Aldrin got married for the fourth time, and uh, he, he and his wife they said um, uh, we are as excited as eloping teenagers. And if you're 94. Or uh, how 93, however, he was born in the 30s, bro. If you're still excited, that's great. I think that's awesome. Excited as a teenager. He, he's a, if you're not familiar, uh, Buzz Aldrin was on Apollo 11, landed on the moon, walked on the moon, second guy on the moon. Um, Apollo, the Apollo mission was, um, what was it, 11 missions. The Apollo missions were uh, sent to the moon. Seven, six out of seven walked on the moon. One, okay, four of the 11 dudes. I'm sorry, 12 human beings walked on the moon, walked or drove on the moon, which is fun if you start looking at that, too, because I love the conspiracy theories. Because Buzz Aldrin, I brought him up because he, he made some shit go sideways a couple uh, um, weeks ago, when he, or not maybe weeks ago, but I, I saw it a few weeks ago when he, they said, what was the most dangerous part of the mission to the moon? He said, well, that it didn't happen or something like that. So, uh, and, but he's also been the guy when uh, an investigative reporter back in the day before a lot of social media said, well, you didn't walk on the moon. He punched him in the face, which is great. So if you're in your 90s, you're punching people in the face, you're excited as a teenager, and he got married for the fourth time, world's your oyster. But uh, I guess, so Apollo 13 obviously didn't land on the moon. The other, so the other ones did. Uh, 12 human beings walked on the moon, four still alive. So that's Buzz Aldrin, uh, David Scott, Charles Duke. and then So Charles Duke was um, Apollo 16, David Scott was 15, uh, uh, Buzz Aldrin, Apollo 11. I don't know if I said whatever. Apollo 11, one of two guys to land, and then uh, Harrison Schmidt, Apollo 17. And I think the last mission, again, that's the end of my notes, I think the last mission was 1972. And uh, there are four guys that walked on the moon still alive. So when uh, when Buzz Aldrin's done uh, hammering away, you might get your chance to ask him or ask one of the other three guys because the conspiracy theorists are everywhere. I was watching them today. Did we go to the moon? Did we land on the moon? And seeing a lot of the bullshit that happens around, I you know, I'm not saying a word. As far as I know, they put some stuff down on the moon as far as like uh, mirrors that you can still hit with lasers from different observatories that'll shine right back. It, it could be solved that easy. Apparently, we're going to land on it again. And it was it was another one, too. It was funny. Why in the 60s did it take us six days to get to the moon? Now it's going to take us nine days. Don't know. I'm not an astronaut. Um, I don't know. But uh, the, the, all the conspiracies are everywhere. If, if you, you get a chance to ask them, ask them. I actually had a chance to have um, to have dinner with an astronaut that famously was singing. He was on the moon, and there's video and um, audio of him singing that I was dancing on the moon one day, something like that. He's doing whatever, one of the last. I think you know, he was the last man on the moon. That was Gene Cernan. 
and I had he he has passed. God rest his soul. Wonderful man. We had a great time talking together, having a having a, some. We broke some bread down in Dallas, Texas, a number of years ago, and I and I was able to sit at the table with him, and it was fun for me because uh, this was one of the evenings where, you know, I get a lot of shit about people want to hear the Bin Laden story, and it's like I will tell you if you ask, but if you don't want to hear, it, just don't ask. But this was one of the nights um, where. Nobody cared about my story, and they wanted to talk to Gene Cernan, and uh, he is a hero. Look what is happening with the dollar, and is it even real? The dollar just hit a seven-month low, and we all saw what happened with the crypto market last year. Why would you trust your hard-earned savings in unstable governments that print their way out of debt or other shady investments? Take my advice. Protect your financial future with something real. That's gold and silver for my friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold can help protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver, or if you prefer, have it delivered securely right to your front door. I've been all over the planet, and there is only one universal currency, and that is always of value, and that's gold. Allegiance Gold has some of the highest ratings in the industry. Five stars with Trustlink, AAA rated with the Business Consumer Alliance, and an A+. From the Better Business Bureau, go to protectwiththeoperator.com and get up to $2,500 of free silver on a qualifying purchase when you tell them the operator sent you. Or give them a call at 844-790-9191. That's 844-790-9191. We can't control the Biden administration, but we can prepare for the consequences of their policies. So go to protectwiththeoperator.com. That's protectwiththeoperator.com. Or give them a call at 844-790-9191. But yeah, that's the, uh, that's the big flight. That's the evolution of travel from Montana to the East Coast. And uh, the evolution of everything. It was, I also tweeted out that uh, it was 27 years ago that I checked into boot camp. That I uh, left, left Montana as a 19-year-old kid and went to Great Lakes, Illinois. And it's just... Crazy how how fast time does fly. You know, it's always good to look ahead and have a plan for the future, but don't forget to live in the moment. Because not to take my hat off and sound like an old man, but that's uh, that's how time just seems to fly by. Twenty seven years. A lot has happened from the the time I accidentally joined the Navy, accidentally got on that airline from Butte, Montana. I heard my brother Tom, who I just interviewed last week, yell, "Good luck, Rob!" And then there we go. And then uh, everything just happens because uh, you're the, you're there in the moment, there for a reason. And they're simply because you decide you want to be there. And just looking, I actually have the, um, I don't know if it's a yearbook or whatever they give you. For some reason, I think they have like, you do take your kick-ass uh, sailor picture when you put on the uh, the kick-ass Cracker Jack hat and the, you got the flag behind you. And you you don't know if you're supposed to mean mug or smile. If you're a Marine, you're supposed to mean mug. I don't know what soldiers do, but uh, sailors are uh, good to go with pretty much anything. You get that, they put it in a book and you can look through it later for some reason. And then they... Um, you know, as you go through boot camp, they you have all these uh, different flags and stuff that you get for different um, shit that you win or whatever. And there's like a thing called the Battle E, which is the big one that you put in front. I don't even remember for stupid division got it, but it's just so funny. It's it's the difference between perception and reality. It's like it's like today um, when people watch Talking Heads fight on CNN or watch them on Fox News or whatever you watch. It's like I'm on this side and there's someone else on TV and they're obviously, they know more about it. These are experts and look at the politicians that are obviously speaking. They got to be smart. No, they're not. They're just a dude on TV. They're just a dude with a dude standing behind him with a camera and they're talking to it. It's, you're just a, you're a guy. And you know, some, some of these people don't realize, I didn't certainly at first realize 
that when you go to boot camp, you're not flying from Burt Mooney International Airport to Paris Island and you're going to be with Private Joker on, you know, full metal jacket. It's you going to a place that is essentially, and you wouldn't realize it at the time, you're, you're going to a place as kids and you're going to be instructed by other kids like to... I, I was I remember looking at some memes today of some uh, and I, you know I wasn't in the Marine Corps but looking at some uh, drill instructors uh, or whatever posing for their um, their picture and that that's you might have seen it with the, there's some God bless them recruit behind them flipping them off but these the guys you know the, the drill instructors they're kids man what's an E six twenty eight <laughs> and there's a couple E fives in there just young dudes and then you're a you're a kid there these these guys all they're doing is what they're told and they're following a, a structured uh, plan for what they were told by a chief who's probably 32 33 maybe in the navy uh, you know popping the popping the buttons at 35 or something whatever you got a couple adults in the room of, i mean what are the officers the, the guy the officers running the companies are kids what an o2 you know he's he's still shit in academy chow but you show up and then you got these dudes uh, i remember seeing these kids that would um think they need to talk like they're in the movie. Like, you got to use, you know, well, I know they have to in the Marine Corps. I guess you can't say you, nothing is mine. It's this recruit or whatever they say. But, like, I remember being on the first day when you're in the roundup and some dude that's, like, staring, like, standing all barrel-chested out with a long, slender torso like a fucking meerkat. And he's, like, looking at the thing and, the, and the, like, the recruit division commander or whatever you call him says, what do you do? He's like, this recruit request permission to use the can? Because he didn't think of the head, because we'd been there a day. <laughs> the, can't, the shit are you talking about, kid? And I remember seeing a dude like, I mean, they're lucky that we got in line and got measured, got our head shaved, and, and were able to find a place with bunk beds. And then the bunk bed class is almost as long as the marching class, you know, a couple of weeks to learn how to make your bed, and you learn the shortcuts here and there. But uh, like, there, I remember a kid in, uh, in my division, which I guess is your room full of kids <laughs> your division and he he was a um a sea cadet i guess you call it and that's like the uh the high school uh navy version of boy scouts or some shit like that i'm sure it's great i'm sure they're great but um he he like he he was raised in a privileged family and he he i think he had a degree but he, he thought he spoke the proper navy lingo which is like the whole if you're walking on one side of an officer you're by your leave sir and i i or some whatever the fuck, i don't know um but um I guess he knew a certain way to respond to a mistake that a, a senior N, NCO or petty officer or chief or whatever made. And I, I guess by the book, and I've never even looked it up because I got afraid at this moment, that this dude was uh, one of the recruit division commanders was talking to this kid who thought he knew everything about the Navy, and he kind of stuttered his words, and the stupid-ass Ricky recruit said, as you were, and I guess that's technically whatever, but you got to figure this – this as you this dude he just said as you were to just finished four years on a ship and he's doing shore duty and he's a dude trying to get on with his life and he's just pissed off because you got to figure if, if if they're waking us up at three that motherfucker's up at two and he's got to get a uniform on all that shit and got to run over from whatever barracks he's living in because they're not putting the they're not putting the instructors in a you know a five star hotel like they do with the migrants up in New York City which uh, which to me is another funny story let me go off on a, on a caveat there too have you seen that shit with the migrants in New York they they uh someone was saying that well these are families that are escaping the jungles and the communism of Venezuela and they've blah 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 and they've come here forever and they're families that are and i think someone like dropped them off somewhere like the remember when uh, the secretary of transportation uh Pete Booty Judge 
like he they took the suburbans to a certain spot and then he'd grab the bike out of the back and pedal his ass up to the thing like look i'm green no you're not you just got out of the suv somewhere along the line they had to like these these people weren't they're, they're not sweating like they just you know ran a 5k these dudes are just kind of rolling over and they're getting to the Rio Grande. They look fine. Anyway, but then they get him up to um, to New York City and they put him in this hotel um, in Midtown. And uh, it's a nice hotel, but then the, it turns out they're not families. They're just a bunch of... It, the, like the way I looked at it, I, it was like... It looked a lot like, um, uh, like the porn my brother watches. Just a lot of dudes on top of each other and a lot of drinking and whatnot. But like they're ruining the the hotel and they're out in front and now they're saying well no we can't go there because it's not uh it's not there was one dude I, i'm convinced the leftist activists are all over this they're the ones fueling the fires everywhere because someone's paying them off somewhere the the people behind the scenes at the big table where there's 160 guys in one place and there's 160 private jets type shit told them they got to spin this up i don't know why they're doing it but they're getting paid by some of the activists are doing it. and there there's dudes outside saying well yeah they want to take us out of this nice hotel and they want to put us in a place and there's there's four bathrooms for a thousand men, and uh, that's just unsanitary. And these beds are like military beds. And I'm like, dude, you just described boot camp. <laughs> we got fucking, <laughs> you know, fifty dudes, one shitter. Um, but yeah, so that they're not putting the, um, they're not putting the recruit division commanders up in places. These are normal dudes just trying to get along with their life, and that's. And I think the sooner you realize that, the 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 better you're gonna be. That most people are just doing their own thing and they're just trying to get on with their life. And it's not the movies, and they're they're not some some special genius talking head and uh, you know that won the election that was just just uh, you know tightening their tie and the teeth are clanking and shining and they're just telling you the damn truth. They're just trying to get on with it. So when you, when I was thinking, I mean, it's crazy to think 27 years ago is when it all started. And I don't give a shit who you are. We we had your first day, right? Like everyone that I worked with at SEAL Team Six had their first day at boot camp, which is crazy to think about. And uh, 27 years, and and even back then, uh, and I've mentioned before how the realization that we're all kind of the same, we're all from different corners of this country. Well, I mean, we had dudes that were there from the Philippines in boot camp that I don't know how that it's like the Singaporeans at, at, at Buds. Like for some reason, they just sent them here, and dudes couldn't even speak a lick of English. I remember some dudes from from. Uh, from Singapore, wherever they're from, they couldn't speak English. Like, we, we need to teach you English. You need to get rolled back. And the only thing that I remember, there was one dude, the only thing he could say in English was, what, three weeks? Three weeks. Three weeks. they got to teach this dude English before he can swab the deck, apparently. But, yeah, so they're sending to all this spot, and we're learning that like, all these dudes are all just the same thing. We realize, what the fuck am I doing here? Why did I make such a bad decision? But, again, how you get comfortable. You're going to get comfortable you are, and you took the shot, and you, you potentially made a good uh, – a good investment in yourself if you take advantage of what you can learn. And everything like I was talking about from uh, naval traditions and, and ma fucking making your bed the right way. That's cool. How to fold your clothes. I still sometimes, you know, I don't stencil my T-shirts too much. But, uh, you know, stuff like that. Learn how to be efficient. Like in the Navy, they're, in, in the Marine Corps, they're teaching you how to fight. And I think in the Army, they're teaching similar stuff like that. The Air Force, they're doing whatever Air Force do dudes do. And then uh, in the Navy, they're teaching you how to live in a fucking sh in a bed. And all you get on a ship is you get your bed, and you can lift the bed up, and underneath it, you got a f your locker under your bed, and that's your shit. And maybe a little footlocker over here. That's it. They're teaching you how to live like that. And if you take advantage of some skills, you might get there. Um, one of the shortcuts that we learned, the first day we got there, um, it's like, okay, wake waking up sucks. And especially in a place like this, one of the things that I really did disliked about boot camp was the lack of uh, sleep, because you you know it's it's not uh, you're not waking up at dawn. You you've been up since you know you're you're awake, and you don't go to bed right away. And uh, a lack of sleep. So I remember the like the first day we're in our division, 
Um, everyone kind of mopes up. We know we got a certain amount of time to get our uh, our dunga dunga jams on. I don't think we're wearing dunga. What the hell were we wearing? We're wearing whatever. You get you. No, we're wearing sweats. Yeah, we had navy sweats because you graduate to dungarees, and once you're in dungarees, you get your green belt with your canteen on it, and they called that the booger belt, a green belt. And then once you get to your last week, you got the white belt and the motherfucking sugar belt. But the first day. We're in there and dudes are groggy and, you know, fucking dudes are showering. There's like probably 12 shitters, I guess. No doors on the shitters, which is important for the story. And, you know, every sink's taken. Guys are shaving because you got to shave and brush their teeth. And then they they like whatever. They It's obviously a setup. They come in and, and fuck with us and they put us back in front of our bunk beds and they go through. And it's a shit show. People aren't dressed the, all the way. Obviously, the... um the head, not the can, is a complete mess. And we get the Navy version of hammered i don't know what the hell that is they punished us somehow i'm sure that it was stupid and so they explained to us it was over the the course of the next few days like look this all needs to be clean and they and so what we decided but i'm pretty sure everyone thinks of this because because um you know uh, what is a uh, invention is necessity is invention you know what i'm saying we figured if we just clean everything the night before maybe we'll just use two sinks and two shitters and we'll like rotate. So we'll just get in line with each other for the greater good. You know, like communism, that shit works. The greater good for the community. Communism. Two shitters, two sinks. And meanwhile, other guys are either making their beds or helping each other make their beds. And we're learning shortcuts how to like only sleep under certain parts. Like have your have your uh, your hospital corners made and all that nonsense. And then sleep underneath this. And then you can do that. But um, um, we, we decided that was cool. So, and I remember somehow like this is how intimate you get once you realize that um, you know, there's people that say it doesn't matter what we all bleed red. So we're all the same inside. We're all trying to get through. I remember, and this is awkward. I said there were no, um, there were no doors on the shitters or the commodes as we would call them. And I got in there first somehow and I'm just doing the morning business like you do, even though we don't get coffee in the Navy, I don't think, uh, at boot camp. And you're sitting there doing your thing. You don't have a paper to read. There's, we don't have iPhones. So you're just looking at your buddy. And he's there, buddy behind him, buddy behind him. And I remember just sitting there, just trying to not make too awkward a face. And it's almost like to break the silence. You're like, I don't know, man, you want to thumb wrestle a little bit? Help me get this bad boy out? But that's, um, you know, that became normal. And that's I, I, as awkward and stupid as that sounds. Um, just the, uh, it's a weird type of, doesn't matter where you're from, man. We're all in this together. And I guess I was just the fastest one to the shitter today. Tomorrow I might be in line or maybe I get a shave first or whatever. And then, you know, you, you go through the Navy stuff and, you you know, you get to know each other pretty well. You, the, the only thing you don't get to know is, is each other's deepest, dark, darkest secrets unless you stay up late at night and listen, which I wouldn't want to do. But then, like, uh, little shit, too. Like, you know, there were guys that wanted to go to Bud's. Guys wanted to get a little extra PT. It's what you can make the most out of, uh, make the most out of your day. We, we, because the, um, the commodes don't have doors. But they do have a crossbar, pull-ups, right? Go knock out some pull-ups. Go in the back where no one's listening. Well, I hope you don't run into people who are doing what they shouldn't be doing because, like I said, hey. Uh, anyway, you knock out some pushes back there, whatever, even even uh, at the point where – because you're, you know, you're not talking to each other, even at chow. So you want to get a chance just to, just to bullshit a little, talk about your girl back home, talk about your favorite food or whatever, what your, what your, uh, what your mom used to make. I wonder what they're doing back there. And then uh, – you know, you're learning the team, and then you do get comfortable. You do get used to where you're at. You're going to get used to where you're at, and that's what we have in common is time's going to heal it. No matter what it is, no matter what you're worried about, time's going to heal it. Time moves. It's going to be okay. The shit you're worried about is probably not going to happen anyway, so stop worrying about it. Enjoy the moment. Take advantage of your time. Get to know your team, and, uh, you know, get bored, take a shit with the door open. 
I don't know, but we always end up talking about guns for some reason. I, I, I like bringing it up, too, just because uh, I always mention pump-action shotguns that I like for my home, and I get shit for that. But uh, there's nothing wrong with being proficient in a couple different things. And, uh, you know, guns are part of our society. And I, th- I think the best way to um, to be safe with guns is to know how to use them. Don't be afraid of them. Know, know how they work and, uh, you know, te- teach people that want to know how they work and keep them in a safe place. But uh, you can have fun with them. Uh, I always bring up F1 firearms because I know how to use different kinds of guns. And uh, shotguns aren't just one of them. Um, like nine mil pistols, AR10s, AR15s, F1 firearms makes them, and they're just cool looking. There's uh, just kick-ass uh, anodized colors, law enforcement models, military models, stuff like that. They're really, really clean, skeletonized with cutout stuff like that. Uh, I say nine mil too. Don't ever say yeah, my nine. It's kind of like saying yeah, my magazine clip. Just don't do that shit. Uh, you know, know what you're talking about too, and kind of. Uh, <laughs> anyway, check out F1 Firearms when you get a chance. My buddy Dion, like I said, makes them out of Texas. We've we've raffled them, not raffled them, I guess. We've auctioned them off at some events. McTeams has has an event that we auction some off. He, I think Ray Cash Care was shooting one with a flamethrower on it. Which, hey, whatever you do, you. It's kind kind of cool. A chainsaw was on one. We we auctioned um, some off at my golf event that I do every year in Nashville, which is cool, raising money for charity. And if you know how to use them, guns can be fun. Uh, some of my celebrity friends have some that I'm not going to bring them up if they want to bring them up. Or you can search F1 Firearms, <laughs> see some cool pictures of cool people. They're in some movies like Death Wish. Savage Salvation. There's, I guess there's a new movie coming out called Cash Out that you'll, you'll see these guns in. Really, really cool guns. And uh, if you know how to use them, uh, it's great to have. Great for home defense too, man. Like it or not, ARs are good. And these are fun. They're clean. Lots of cool add-ons. So just check out F1 Firearms when uh, when you get a chance. <laughs> you know, not, not to not be the uh, eternal optimist. I mean... You, like I said, you're gonna get used to it, and some—I mean, st- some stuff's not gonna really change anyway. I mean, I mean, some stuff will, some stuff won't. Some stuff, some stuff will stay the same. I was, uh, without stuttering all over myself, I was just mentioning that uh, every dude I was with at SEAL Team Six had their first day of boot camp 27 years ago, and I—I I don't mean to sound like the old man who keeps repeating himself, but that's the case. I mean, think about think about this. Okay, so that was 1996. Uh, three years before that was the famed um, Battle of Mogadishu that became famous in um, the movie Black Hawk Down. The book Black Hawk Down, the movie Black Hawk Down, which is a fantastic book and an excellent movie. That's still a movie again that if it's on, I'll watch it. I wasn't there. I don't know how accurate it was. I was, I think, a junior in high school, but that was in a place called Mogadishu, Somalia. And then, um, you know, I joined in 96, 98, 2009. We're jumping over on the coast of Somalia. Why? Because, well, uh, Captain Richard Phillips taken by Somali pirates. Why were there Somali pirates? Well, um, not because they were terrorists, because sometimes people just live in shitty places and they need to, they're trying to either feed themselves, feed their families, feed their cot addiction, cot addiction, K-H-A-T, cot, which is that thing you chew on and I guess you get high, or, uh, you know, they're doing what Somalia. So what's, uh, what are we at, 2023? Uh, what did SEAL Team 6 just do? Just did a raid on what? Somalia. Same fucking names. It's Somalia. I mean, I mean what's the interest in Somalia? Uh, not all of a sudden. We've always been there. But the, the interest in Somalia was, you got to figure, okay, let's, if we're going to keep it real, uh, how long has Somalia been around? Well, we're talking, this is a place that no shit Muslims from Mecca escaped to to, to get, get away from persecution, like when they started Islam. Place has been around. Uh, Somalia, uh, it was formed as a country, I guess, after World War II, like a lot of countries, because, well, same names, because Britain was like, not occupied, but it was their territory, and somehow it was, um, it was uh, given over to Italy, 
which is an Axis power, and that's an entirely different episode. But they got that, and then Somalia gets his independence, and then obviously it turns into uh, um, some dude that decided he's a colonel or a general with his kick-ass row of ribbons. He decides he's in charge, and it turns into the clan fights, and someone that was appointed somewhere gets overthrown, and it turns into this thing, and all of a sudden it's a U.N. food... Uh, Relief, relieving them, and then the, they get ambushed by the the clans and the and the and the militias, and then we send in troops, and uh, it just so happens this is around ni- 1993. After you know the same names, the Russians had uh, been kicked out of Afghanistan, and Bin Laden got kicked out of uh, Saudi Arabia, so he's in Sudan, which is right next door, and uh, they train guys to shoot or to shoot down helicopters, which they did. And then we run that. I mean, that even leads way into the future. How? If you attack the Americans, they're going to leave. If like when we first like in during like Jawbreaker in in September October of 2011 or 2001, sorry, right after the towers fell and we invaded um, Afghanistan. You know we had CAA guys there, some SF guys, a couple SEAL Team Six guys, and the uh, the warlords up there in Afghanistan were saying, you know, I'll lose 500 of my troops compared to getting one American hurt because we know damn well that if if uh, an American gets hurt or, God forbid, killed, the Americans are leaving. And that was like a reputation. And that went all the way back to Somalia. Uh, and the same name's Bin Laden's there. So this guy that we just killed, his name was Bilal al-Sudani, meaning that's Bilal from Sudan. They keep it real. Like, I'd be Rob al-Butte, Montana. And, um, but uh, they killed him um, on a raid that SEAL Team 6 did. And these are, guys that, like, these are guys that probably weren't in the Navy when I got out. And now they're at SEAL Team 6, and now they're doing these helicopters. And I don't even know where they're coming from, too. I'll be honest. I wasn't on that raid, obviously. I was probably here running my mouth about something. But they came in from somewhere, and we have bases some places over there. There's some that we left, like in Yemen, but they might be back, I'm assuming, a flat top. We do have ships in and out. Maybe that's why Somalia is so important, because it's off the coast, on the Horn of Africa, when you come out of the Suez. Or, you know, it could be because it's near places like Zambia, where we are realizing there's a shit ton of copper and that part of Africa where we can get a whole bunch of um, stuff that makes the the magic electric car batteries that no one gets hurt. God forbid you talk about the slave labor or the the open pit mines where you shouldn't have a person, but there's 30,000 people and they're digging with their hands. Maybe that's why we have interest in Africa because we're going to always follow the money. We're always going to follow the fight, but now we got... Uh, we got dudes doing raids off of flat tops in Somalia, which, um, and I get, I get a kick out of it too. I mean, there are certain ways that certain things that I'm not going to get into work as far as targets that we can hit. We still, I mean, we're doing drone strikes in places. That, well, we're not at war anywhere except, well, Ukraine soon or, you know, China or whatever we're going to do. But there are places too where you can get a certain level of, um, not delegation, but it's like by direction that if this target pops, you can get them. And uh, that's pretty good for this president too, because you know he's got he's ears deep in a big waffle cone full of delicious ice cream. But there was one of these guys, and it's Bilal Al Sudani, who's from Sudan. It's Bilal. Not talked about him. B dog from Sudan, um, where they were planning this raid, and they said they're going to go get him. And and that's kind of like Team Six's AO would be in that part of Africa, and I think Delta is going to be up in Syria. And we still got guys in Syria, Syria. They're serious in Syria. And uh, it's one of those targets that came up that instead of they said instead of a, a drone strike, we're going to send these guys in so we can capture them. And I wasn't there, but I'm like, ah, good, yeah, you send SEAL Team Six in to capture them. <laughs> I've seen that happen before, and I might have mentioned this in tactical operations centers when we'd watch like Delta do a, a vehicle interdiction um, on a couple of vehicles, and then there's there's squirters or splitters, and these uh. The vehicles go to different directions, so we got to launch not a QRF necessarily, but some other guys to go in there. And they, um, th- uh, one of the targets that we went on, these guys went into this house and like, yeah, we're going to send Team Six into there. And they said, uh, 
someone said, why don't you just go kinetic, meaning hit him with a with an airstrike. And uh, one of the Brits goes, ah, oh, they're sending Team 6, mate. It's kind of like going kinetic. <laughs> and like, hey, bring one back to us. It was even like a raid that I saw one time, um, and I'm not going to get into which one it was, but watching guys go up on target, and you can see the bad guys, and you hear troops in contact, target secure, 19 dead, or whatever they say, EKA. And it's like, dude, give it a minute. <laughs> Pretend. But they uh, they sent these dudes in. Same place, Somalia. Send some guys in on helos, probably army pilots, kick-ass Somalia, go in there. The only thing different about it was um, I guess one of our dogs bit one of our guys. And again, I don't know. I didn't get the after-action report, I'm assuming. And right now, if, if any operator's listening to this that was on the raid, he, he's going to think this I'm a dickhead if he doesn't already. But uh, they said uh, one of our dogs bit one of our guys. And uh, I actually called um, one of our dog guys from when I was in. And I, and, uh, I said, because once it seems like the guys that run the dogs are always a dog guy. And that's just cool. They have a great rapport and they're really good with dogs. And I said, it seems like um, it looks like one of the uh, assaulters got bit by the dog, huh? And he, he goes, yeah, but these are the, uh, the newer guys doing it. These, uh, some of these old dogs got to keep the new pups in line because I guess uh, the dog bit one of the guys. Somalia. Well, it has been one of those days. Uh, hey, have you ever heard of ketones? It's a natural source of fuel for your body. When your body has used up all the stored carbs, they're depleted, and it trans, uh, transfers fat into energy. But uh, ketones are fuel that, unlike fats, they can cross the blood-brain barrier. So it, like, powers your uh, your body and your mind. And it's like a uh... – well, anyway, I discovered this uh, stuff called ketone IQ. It's a uh, – it's like a super fuel shot for your brain and your body, but there's no sugar and there's no um, no carbs in it. You can find it at hvmn.com, as in health via modern nutrition. You can get ketone IQ, and I get them in these little shots. You can get a little shot to zap yourself with energy anytime you want. It. There's a they come in bottles, ten servings uh, per bottle. And if you go to hvmn.com and use the code the operator, you get twenty percent off. Again, that's hvmn.com, code the operator. Hotel Victor, Mike November.com, health via modern nutrition. Check out Ketone IQ, super fuel for your mind and body. You know, and if you look at it, too, you wouldn't think this because the, the, um, the country of Somalia is so skinny with obviously no pun intended. But I, I, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure that Somalia has the most coastline of any. Uh, African country, and and I could be wrong, but I know it's it's shaped like that weird number seven, and I've I've heard that too. But again, like I said, it's 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 their borders. Kenya, we have interest in Kenya. Ethiopia is right there, and you know we, I mean, we're still training troops in different places like that, and then, uh, and it's for the counter terror threat because in Somalia there's Al Shabaab, which is an Al Qaeda linked thing, and then there's ISIS. That's uh, there a lot of them are out of Sudan. They're moving into Mozambique and places like that. And uh, ISIS all over the place, and they're the ones that want the, the Islamic State, the, the, and they want the Central Afri- African uh, Caliphate, which is the same shit they're trying up in, in um, that they were trying in Syria. They're probably still going to try again. Al Qaeda's got the same, the same um, vision, sort of, and almost the same version of of Sunni Islam, but they seem to to fight. But if you notice, you do any research, it's like a dude like this Al Sudani guy. He was Al Shabaab, but then he got traded to ISIS or whatever. However, they do it. 
Like we'll take two first round picks in 2025 and you get this motherfucker. But like the, it's like the, the, it's the um, it's it's a lot of the Islamic extremists there that they're kind of this, under the same banner. But it always seems like Al Qaeda's a little bit late to the party and has to make a fucking phone call and like call them and say because like Al Shabaab's really brutal. Not, there are no Boko Haram, which is a, another different story that we're dealing with. And then you got ISIS, you got uh, the Taliban, which just wants their fucking values. They want to stay there. But then other people start waving the banner of ISIS. And this guy Sudani, what he was doing is they were saying how how creative. He was he was like an in I don't know they make him sound like an Austin Powers African version like they're saying like he's the uh, international arms dealer but he's a he's a fundraiser and how creative he was I'm like what did he say stick him up in a five languages it's like they they extort man they set up checkpoints they raise money then they send it somewhere or they bring guys to other places and they go kill people and they cut heads off and then Boko Haram different animal but we're I mean we've been dealing with Somalia and Africa a lot but we're seeing it get more and more involved and that is because of the cobalt it is because of the copper it is because of the stuff that like there are people going to places in Africa and Janet Yellen went over there to and they're like these are look. Being as sensitive as possible, some of these villages where they go, a lot of these countries, they don't have electricity. These are some of the greenest places that they can go. These are some, they live the greenest lives possible. Keto diets, man. They're, they're keeping it real, but they're earning their keep. And then we sent our people over there. We got, they look like, like my, uh, my high school math teacher rolling over there telling them about if they decide to go green, we'll build the, um, the windmills. And this is happening. We'll build the windmills for you so that we can sustain it when we're just bullshitting. And why don't you dig up all this copper for us so you, we can build the windmills here and we'll power you up. Yet we need to keep pumping our copper back because we have plenty of it. We have our own stuff in the United States, but we're going to have you do it because no one's going to watch here. And we'll just monitor you with our uh, our three letter agencies. And you know, you get back here again, an entire different subject. You start getting with uh, different three letter agencies. God forbid you get in the EPA and all that bullshit. Like, the only three letter agency I trust is RJO. That's what I'm talking about. But we're we're getting closer and closer to Africa because of all the stuff that's happening because of the natural resources that we can exploit. China's in there right now taking it, and they're already taking the shit out of um, Afghanistan and stuff that we dumped there. But uh, it, we're, we're noticing this this we're getting closer into Africa, and uh, we're seeing the players move and and you know why are we still fighting these guys they're, they're the Islamic uh, uh, international terror that's fine but if, I mean okay we did a strike on a dude from Sudan who was al-shabaab or was al-shabaab and now he's ISIS why because we don't we're we're all about our national security no we're fucking not if we cared about our national security we wouldn't have an open border either side but we have both because it has nothing to do with uh, uh, I mean if we cared about um, defeating terrorism we wouldn't have lost Afghanistan you know, and, and, you know, there are men and women out there right now fighting in uh, in Syria. They're going to be there. Again, same names. They're not going anywhere. And then, God forbid, someone comes across the southern. I don't know. I don't mean to get too, um, too into it, but, I mean, we're following the money. Where does the money go? Look at, uh, okay, Ukraine right now. Whatever. I mean, there are people dying. That sucks. That's bullshit. I hate it. And they were invaded. That sucks. And I don't like that people are dying. It's tragic. And the stuff that's going on that we know about is tragic. But we're certainly defending the shit out of Ukraine, certainly pumping a lot of money into Ukraine. We're not going to start a war, but we're going to give you 31 tanks. And did you notice that there? you can't quite get the answer? Is it is it going to be 31 tanks that of the hundreds, maybe 1,000 or more that we have in Europe already? They, they want to give them the Abrams, the M1A1? Why don't you just give them some of them? Why do we got to make new ones? It's going to take a year to get them because we got to make them. Why? We don't have them? Oh, that's right, because if we don't make them from scratch, your buddy that you signed a contract with that the congressman just traded the shares for the company for wouldn't get their cash. Got it. I mean, obviously, we, we're, I mean, it's under the banner of defend democracy, because that's what we do, right? That's what they're saying that we do, defend democracy. We're, okay, 
I I agree. I agree that what Vladimir Putin is doing bad, but but um, but you're going to start a world war at some point. I mean, maybe hopefully these powers that be aren't stupid enough to start a war, but are they? I mean, at what point? And like you know, when 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 the Russians are helping the Vietnamese because we're stopping the spread of communism. They were helping, but they weren't announcing it. And then we're, you know, we're helping the Mujahideen fight the Russians, same names, in Afghanistan. We're helping through Pakistan, but we're not really, uh, we're not saying we're helping. But now we're helping, but they're not NATO. And Vladimir, we're trying to stop the spread of communism and prevent, preserve freedom. He's trying to stop the spread of Ukraine into the, into, uh, into NATO. But now everything's kind of on the board. Now, hey, we're going to send some tanks. We're going to send some Bradleys. How long before we send them F-16s? Uh, the president said he wasn't going to send an armor, but now we are. New ones too, and if you should, if you, <laughs> I'm not a tanker, but I've seen them, and an M1 Abrams, man, that thing is the balls. Like I'm talking, these things can do shit on the fly. Like the body of the the turrets, the body of the thing is moving on the damn things, and the turret staying still, and it's gonna blast at you. And it's also, it's not, it doesn't have armor, it has depleted uranium, like a counter armor armor, and it shoots like magic shit at you. Um, but no, we got to make them from scratch because we don't have enough because they're building it up. It's the military industrial complex. Why are we there? Why are we? And then, and hey, shiny thing, quick, Taiwan. What about Taiwan? We got a four-star uh, general saying we're going to be at war with China over Taiwan in two years. That's a war with China, man. And that's that's fucking nuts. And and why do it's, you think it's because of the map, because of the landmass, or do you think it's because of all the microchips that are being produced in Taiwan? Follow the money. And that's another one too. It's not like Ukraine where you can just all of a sudden. Um, you can put some troops in. You can back them out. I put my left tank in. I put my left tank out. That's a fucking amphibious invasion. And that's no longer dealing with, you know, what can these uh, um, European states do? The ones that have seen it up close, what can, what's Poland going to do to help? Um, this is now an, a, this is an amphibious invasion by the Chinese. And now we're talking Australia and Japan. And that's no bullshit. That's when you're... Um, that's when the, the 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 rubber meets the road. That's when you're that's when you're either all in or you're all out. That's when you're having the war game and you're like, well, you know, they um, we have our carriers that well, they're going to shoot a a missile at the bridge. Well, we have countermeasures. Oh, you do. What if they shoot ten thousand of them at you? You're legit. And then they what if what if you lose a carrier? How many thousands of people? How many how many aircraft are on that bad boy? And these are just little things that you're. It, I'm afraid that you're seeing a lot of uh, these brilliant talking heads on TV talk about because they're smarter than some other not. These are dudes as dumb as you, and they're making decision. They don't necessarily have big boy pants on, but they sure do have the big purse. And for some reason, they keep getting the money and they keep making the tanks. And it always seems to be the same names. But um, you know that's that's what I'm kind of looking for. But you know, not being a doomsday, I think I think the bankroll's too high for someone to really hit the button too fast but i mean it just takes one guy who decides it's time to leave the table well we are one year into a new year which means new gear baby dirty diaper screaming fits and sleepless nights parenthood is not for the faint of heart and i know so there's tactical baby gear which is founded by parents for parents with kit that you're proud to carry you'll overcome every spit up blowout, and meltdown along the way prepare for whatever parenting leads you to and look cool with it like a fully customized tactical diaper bag that's ready, but be ready because this could get messy. They're highly practical, highly functional, and extremely high quality, but they're always ready. And I mean diaper bags, baby carriers, strollers, wagons, everything in between. Lifetime warranty. When uh, you go to tacticalbabygear.com, use the code the operator and save 15%. Some of my favorites are there. you got to check out the Vera Cruiser. Functions as a wagon and a stroller. Rugged aluminum frame. All-terrain tires, baby. Three-point safety harness, molly webbing, which they all have, 
children's snack tray, and get a load of this, adult cup holders, if you know what I'm talking about. There's also the Tactical Baby Carrier 2.0. The baby can face in or out depending on the development stage and the weather, of course. Interior cotton padded machine washable liner, Molly compatible again. Acknowledged by International Hip Dysplasia Institute as hip healthy, very important. Wear your baby like a reserve parachute on a static line jump, baby. Go to tacticalbabygear.com, get 15% off when you use the code the operator. Tacticalbabygear.com, 15% off. God, guns, and diapers, baby. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so I'm not trying to be the negative Nancy. I'm not trying to be all negative. Um, I do point some certain things out because there are people that make bad decisions, uh, myself included. And there are pe- people making decisions for the wrong reasons. And I, I point out different spots of the world, follow the money, that whole thing. Why are we in different conflicts? Well, we're doing it for a lot of personal reasons, some strategic reasons, a lot of political reasons. Um, but we also need to realize uh, what we're capable of and, and what we've done because we do disagree with some of the ways that we have uh, entered wars and exited wars. Like the Iraq war is a prime example. Did we need to invade? No. Should we have left? No. Very, very complex. What were the reasons? Doesn't matter. At the time, I mean, emotions were high to invade Iraq because of 9-11. Some people took advantage of it based on political stuff, and we're going to need certain things, and yeah, that happened, whatever, and we pulled out for some political reasons, and stuff happens. I mean, everything you do is going to have a consequence, and obviously the Afghanistan pullout is the big one because people felt bad about that. Again, political reasons, um, but you got to remember, I think it's important that no matter what happened, especially with the veterans, every time we met the enemy, take rules and rules of engagement out of it, take pol- politics out of it, um, when we met the enemy, we kicked their ass, and it's that simple. When it, when it gets very, very simple, when it gets down to the basic, when it gets down to the micro level, toe-to-toe, we kick their ass every single time. And you got to remember that. That's what we do. We let a lot of first-world problems get into our way, and we make things very, very complex. We don't need to get complex. Sometimes you don't need to uh, talk yourself into getting into a fight. Don't talk yourself into an ass whooping. Keep it simple. And when we kept it simple, we won. And you got to remember that. We went there for the right reasons. We kicked their ass. We did what we came to do, and it was a mess getting out. But when we fought, which is what we're supposed to do, when we're supposed to break things, we've broken. When we're supposed to beat people, we beat them. When we're supposed to kill people, we killed them. Period. There's a group right now called the Wagner Group. They're uh, based out of Russia. They're a Russian mercenary group, and they're all over the world. It's an easy way for plausible deniability. They can do a lot of military stuff without being military, but these are guys on the take. These are guys getting paid to be professional soldiers, they're in Africa, they're in Mali, um, which is a country in Africa, trying to get the best interest, trying to get the natural resources, just like everyone else is kind of doing right now, but that's a group that's doing it. What they're also doing, that's the crew that's recruiting because Ukraine has turned into a mess for Mother Russia. And they're getting bogged down, and there's a lot of stuff going on we don't know about, a lot of stuff going on we do know about. We do know a lot of innocent people are getting killed. We know that's bad. But Russia's getting beat when we supply the Ukrainians with fighting, uh, fighting uh, capabilities. So they're recruiting. They're recruiting the Afghans that we um, train. They're recruiting people from other countries. They're recruiting all over the world. What they're doing now is they're trying to recruit Americans, American veterans especially, and they're trying to use bad morale against us. They're building us up but tearing us down. They're saying that we went into these places for the right reasons 
and then we were betrayed by tyrannical governments, and they're just really trying to spin it. I don't know if you've seen the commercials yet, but that's the Wagner Group doing it. They're about 50,000 strong, and they're trying to um, take advantage of the fact that they think that we lost. We didn't lose. Like I said, we kicked their ass every time. Someone made the decision to put us there. Sometimes the fight picks you, but no matter where we were, we did what we do. We kicked their asses. You can't forget that. When we were there, again, the reasons for being there don't matter. Sometimes it comes down to the guy you're in the room with, one other dude. At the micro level, sometimes it's just you and him, and that's why you're fighting. You're not fighting for the flag or apple pie. You're fighting for the guy next to you, and that's enough. And it's important to realize at that moment, at that critical moment in your life when you're fighting, you're not alone. Even if it's that guy right next to you, you are not alone. And that's a case right now. You've never been alone, and you're not alone right now. And you got to remember that. If you're having a shitty day, you got to call someone because they might be having a good day. And I've said this before. If you're having a good day, call someone. They might be having a shitty day. But I was thinking about it earlier, and the missions that we went on, they did come down to a point, to the point of conflict. But... We never got there alone. Think about the team. I thought about the team that I had, the team of Intel folks, the Intel crew that found the target to go to, found the house that was in the village and how we're going to get there. The team is the chaplain who said the prayer over the team before you get on the helicopter because a missile only needs to be right one time. The team is the air crew that kept the bird flying on the way in and especially the pilots that are getting us there. The navigation systems that they use, the person who programmed those, how we get in, it's when you get on the ground, it's the intel folks that are on the ground with the weapon, finding the people using the intel that we have. It's the guy next to you when you go in the room. That's your team. It's the close air support. It's the DAP. It's the Apache. It's the attack helicopter, the fast movers, the pilot flying those, the dude who put the missiles on, the mechanic who makes sure the birds can fly. God forbid if something happens, it's the close air support pilots that come in and that air crew. And when you get back, it's the surgeons and the medical crew that's there. When you get home after a mission where you kicked everyone's ass, which we always do, it's the comms guy who set up the phone so you can call home. Just to let them know, even though you can't tell them where you are, you can let them know that you're safe. It's the Seabees who put the showers together so you can have a nice shower after you're done kicking ass. And then it's the mess crank dudes that put the chow hall together, the people who brought the food so you can eat. That team, we won every time. You cannot change how you got there. You're just there. You can't, can, you can't change the decisions that made you get there, but you can control how you respond. You can't control how it made you feel, but you can control how you respond to it. You were never alone then. You're not alone now. Our team always wins. And it all starts with mastering the basics. Take responsibility. Just own it. Master the basics. Tell yourself the truth and learn from it. It's simple to understand if you break it down. If you want to be fast, slow down, take a breath. It's simple to understand. It won't be simple to do. It's easy to understand. It won't be easy to do. And life has tried to mess with you before. (laughs) And it will again. You know why? Because that's life. But you're still in the fight. We're still the good guys. There's plenty of adversity, but you can keep showing up. You may need to take a break. You may need to come at uh, from a different angle. That's fine. If you need to take a break, take a break. Slow down. Reassess and attack it from a, a different angle. But you're still breathing, which means you're still here. And if you see the sun come up in the morning, it'll let you know you're never out of the fight. 